And a very good evening to you, a very warm welcome. Yes, it's that time again for another big kickoff, big kickoff, a rugby podcast. Delighted to say I've been joined by Debbie Knight, Sean Phelan and Joe Harvey, who are going to discuss all things rugby. We're going to be talking about the forthcoming Six Nations, the eagerly awaited Six Nations. Uh, we're going to be delving into how the English clubs have been getting on in Europe. But first of all, I'm going to quickly start off with the Gallagher Premiership because we're back into Gallagher Premiership action. Um, Debbie, how have uh, you seen the first few weeks, uh, so to speak, of the Gallagher Premiership? Obviously, we had a break with the international, uh, with, uh, with Europe, should I say. Um, we're going to have sides who are going to be badly affected, remember, by international call-ups, which we'll talk more about in just a moment. But overall, um, has it been a good Gallagher Premiership? I think it has been a good Gallagher Premiership, actually. I think there have been some surprises. Um, who would have put Bath down to beat Leicester Tigers, for example? Oh, no, was it, was it Leicester Tigers or it was? Or was it Harlequins that they beat? I can't remember. Harlequins. Or both. <laughs> Harlequins. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've, in, I've enjoyed it. I was at Wasps on Sunday to watch Saracens, and I, I had a, a, a lovely day. My team didn't win, but I was sat amongst really delightful Wasps fans that knew their rugby. Um, wasn't quite the result I wanted, but no, I, I'm enjoying it so far. It's good to be back in the stadiums, to be honest. As a Saracens lady that you are, um, second at the moment, 44 points. I think you would have taken that, would you not, Debbie? Before the oh, start? big, big time. Yeah, big time. I would. I, I would. I wouldn't have predicted us to be top four. I'll be honest, because I think the Premiership's improved pretty much across the board in that year that we were away. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Debbie, are you surprised? Um, Exeter at the moment, they sit in seventh spot. They've only got 34 points. I say only 34 points, true. But at the end of the day, would you not have expected them, shall we say, to be a little bit higher? Um, I, I think we can always expect them to be a bit higher, but I think they maybe have been caught out a little bit by the law changes. And they perhaps haven't adjusted their play um, as well as they should. I think there's an element of being found out um, to a degree. And I think, other, you know, other, I mean, look at Gloucester um, and Leicester, let's be honest. You know, when I'm on both of their fans forums and the moaning that went on last season and look where they both are now. So I think the other teams have lifted their games. And I think Exeter's game plan isn't quite the one for the Premiership this year. Thanks, Debbie. I'm going to come back to you shortly. I'm going to bring Sean in now. Um, Sean, a big Harlequins fan. Um, as it stands at the moment, Queens are sitting pretty, it has to be said, in third place. As you said, yeah, we, we did have a, uh, a setback, shall we say. Hopefully it's just a, a minor setback against Paul uh, last week. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, are you happy at the moment, the start Queens have made overall? Um... I think we can say we're probably fortunate. I think we're, we've been fortunate to get the, the results that we have from the positions that we've been in. Uh, Bristol at the start of the season, where we were 20-odd points down at half-time, came back to win the game comfortably in the end as well. Uh, I think as a Queen's fan from a year ago, it was... Uh, all doom and gloom and we didn't really know what was what and then what happened happened and it was lovely and brilliant and I, I think we 
I think we're exp- I think we're going to lose a few more games because that is just the, the style that we're playing with. It's risk uh, risk reward and um, yeah, I, we're just getting a bit of rubber green at the minute. We didn't get it on on Friday. We were pretty poor, but yeah, you know, we haven't seen an eighty minute performance yet, and I think. It's got to come at some point, and you know, hopefully there are bigger games to come that we might be able to play a full eighty minutes in. I was on a Zoom call with uh, uh, Jerry Flannery earlier today, and Oscar Oscar Beard, who, who I must admit I've never spoke to Oscar before, but it was a pleasure to really speak to him actually. And he did actually put his hand up and say, "Yeah, perhaps our luck's going against us now, but we've got to fight through that." And of course. We've also got to fight through, as a Quinn's point of view, the fact that they, they're now in a position where they're going to start losing players. And, of course, their key players in particular, bearing in mind this time last season, that wasn't the case, Sean. Um, yeah. So, of course, that is going to be a benefit as it was last season. But now, of course, it can be a distraction. However, as Oscar was saying, and Jerry Flannery uh, pointed out as well, that it's time now for others to step up, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for some of these guys to, to come and get a bit of premiership experience that they may not have got um, so quickly. Um, it hasn't hurt us before. We threw in a 17-year-old Marcus Smith in on the first game of the season three or four years ago, and, and it turned out to be a, a really good call. So, And it, 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 and it may happen to one, you know, one two of these, these guys, and hopefully it does. And then they can go off and earn the international honours that, that Don Brandt and, and Smith uh, and others are going to go and earn. Great. I, I, thanks, Sean. I'll bring you back in a bit later. I'm going to bring Joe in now. Thanks very much, Joe. You've been listening to both Sean and Debbie's uh, point of view there. Um, uh, shall I call you a bit of a neutral? Yeah, why not? Hey. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. As a neutral, there you go. Leicester's start has been superb, hasn't it? It has to be said. I mean, uh, you know, no one can fault that as such. However, is it a case now they're going through a bit of a wobble? They've lost their last two games. They, they're going to have a lot of uh, international call-ups. That's going to affect them. Do you feel the momentum now is going to go start going down for Leicester? Or are they a side, Joe, do you feel that can bounce back? Well, I just kind of had a quick look to see who they were playing next. And given that they're playing Worcester next, they probably will win that one. So maybe not as much as the wobble is initially anticipated. But the thing is, I think we're going to see this across the board now with the teams. We're going to see a dip in kind of performance with everyone. And whether that's because of salary cap changes or international call-ups, which both combine, it's literally like, it's kind of like standing in the middle of two hills now. Because you've got, at the top end, you've got your absolute top end players and then at the other side of it, you kind of got your bottom end. And we're now kind of finding the middle ground of actually where the players are and who's going to step up. So I think we're going to see, for example, Northampton are going to lean quite heavily on the lads that have been playing for Bedford, even though some of them lads are now going to be playing for England under-20s. So, I mean, literally the England under-20 midfield is the lads that have been playing in the championship for Bedford. Ideally, you just bring them in and plug them into the side straight away. Um, and with, you know, obviously with Leicester, they've got some guys at, at Nottingham. So maybe they'll bring them back in. And it's, it, it, but the problem is it's a bit sink or swim. Like Steve up to this point has kind of been working out who are his guys and who he's got to rely on and who he can kind of keep in the side in order to, 
to keep on keeping that Leicester Tigers pack kind of rolling the team going forward. But now he's going to have to move to guys that he doesn't necessarily know as well because they've just been farmed out to other teams. And this is this is something we're going to see across the league because I don't think in quite a long time there's been such a spread of players having to leave their clubs in order to play for England, Scotland, Wales and, and that sort of, you know, and being in that situation. And obviously we talk about, we obviously continue to talk about England, but like Gloucester are missing so many guys. Like there's good, And they've been having an incredible season considering... The injuries that they've had so it's kind of we're just now working out that balancing act between top end and low end players and who's going to find their way in because it's going to be academy lads it's going to be lads that are on loan and it's going to make for an interesting few weeks I think <laughs> you're right because I mean you mentioned Gloucester you mentioned Northampton in dispatches there as well even a side like London Irish Joe I mean you know, I know people at the start of the season probably laugh at this, true, but look, they're in sixth place, aren't they? 35 points. They're not that far behind the pack, are they? Now, their performances of late have improved, haven't they, immensely, it has to be said. And of course, you never know. It only takes a side, doesn't it, to string two or three wins together and all of a sudden you start shooting up that table, don't you? Well, that's it. And especially when you see them grinding out wins against like a, an Exeter Chiefs pack, for example. Like I, I was at the game at, at the BCS a year ago or whenever it was. It probably was longer ago or something like that. And you look at those performances compared to now. And this is a team that's not only a lot tighter, but just kind of like it feels like they've got all the right people in place now. I mean, if you look at basics, and I know basics are the most boring thing to talk about in the world because you want to be talking about your Ollie Hassel Collinses, you want to be talking about your Ben Loaders. But I'm going to talk about the second row. Like you look at Rob Simmons and Adam Coleman, and right there you've got some top quality lock forwards. They're going to know that know how to operate a, a line out. Uh, have been around the the block, and even like you know, I think everyone sort of loved the Ollie Hoskins story when he got called up for for Australia and then got his first cap to cap against England at Twickenham and all that sort of thing. But you've got a lot of really good depth there. And that's maybe the best thing that Declan's done over the years. But then obviously finding like your little gems like Tom Pearson and, you know, people like that who've just kind of added to it. Um, like Matt Rogerson probably wasn't, you know, probably he obviously didn't pull up trees, for example, when he was at sale, but put him in his London Irish team. He's a completely different animal. He's a leader. And they've just got this nice little, this nice little clutch of plays at the moment. I want to move on to um, Worcester because obviously they, they made a recent appointment in Steve Diamond. Uh, yes, he's back. Everybody thought he'd disappear, but no, all of a sudden, a job comes in for Steve Diamond. He's going to have a bit of a task, isn't he, to try and get Worcester back into, well, I say away from the relegation zone, so to speak, admittedly, if Bath continued to start putting together results like they did last Friday. Yeah, and it's kind of a funny one because Bath's restart is going to come in a few months at the end of the season. So at the minute, they're kind of just going through the motions now and just getting to that point of, all right, okay, yeah, Johan van Graaf's going to come in. Now we're going to actually properly start kind of evaluating everything and, and see what we move forward. But what Steve can do now is, and it's kind of a bit of a blessing, and I see it as somewhow similar to what Steve Borthwick did at the end of the 1920 season, when they were losing all those games and he was literally making like 10 changes every match. Like even when it got to the points when there was no midweek games, he was making 10 changes and he was weeding out the players that he knew weren't Leicester Tigers players. And Dimes, like, I mean, let's be honest, Steve Diamond is a brutal man. Like, and he will, he, he will not take anything. And like, it wouldn't even surprise me if we saw one of those British and Irish Lions leave at the end of the year or something like that, because he's not going to take anything. He's going to pick the lads that he wants to play for that team. 
and we are going to see a call there. That's just kind of like inherently what's going to happen because at the end of the day, he knows he's there. If, if he doesn't win games, which he's been known to do, and don't get me wrong, he's had there was a couple of down years at Sale. I mean, but every team has a couple of down years. Um, he's going to weed out them lads that he doesn't think are worthy enough to be Worcester Warriors players. He's going to completely revamp everything. And because that's what he's known to do, and he's he's gonna he's gonna be brutal with it, and there's gonna be some lads that are quite upset at the end of the season. Yeah, very good point, actually. Well, we will see. We will see. Um, thanks for that, uh, Joe. We're now going to move on to Six Nations because that uh, starts off at this coming weekend. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating uh, a tournament, it has to be said. Um, Debbie, I'll start off with you. Are France worthy uh, favourites, or? Could you possibly see, I won't say an upset, but at the moment, everyone's going with France. Personally, I'm going to throw my two pennies worth in. I think France is going to take a huge amount of stopping, which probably is giving them the kiss of death now, I must admit, but there you go. Well, what's your take on it? I'm going France again this year. Um, and, you know, I've listed all the fixtures down and I started to put asterisks against the key games. And I... And, you know, virtually every game that doesn't include Italy is a key game, isn't it? Um, they start at home to Italy. So, you know, I pick, I'm not going to not, they're not necessarily going to whoop them, but yeah, I think it's going to be one of those years where you need to whoop Italy. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see a grand slam because of the way the fixtures are lining up. I think England and Wales starts are tough ones. I think if we, I, I quite like looking at what's measuring what's likely to happen by what's happened in the European games. And, you know, Leinster, wow. And, and let's be honest, lots of the Irish team are coming from that Leinster club. So they look in cracking form. Um, Scotland, I think, are going to put in a few surprises. It wouldn't surprise me to see England lose that first game. Up in, in Edinburgh, that's a tough place to go to play your first match. Yeah, up France are my favourites again. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not going to doubt your word. <laughs> yeah, we will see. But no, you are right. I, I just think they do look like you. I mean, let's put it this way. France, barring a miracle, Debbie, surely, I won't say they're going to whoop Italy, but look, there must be five points on the table straight away. Now, you could not have asked, can you? It, 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 to me, whenever Six Nations fixtures come out, I always look who's going to play Italy first because <laughs> realistically, that's five points on the board, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting for me looking at the... Um, that he had seven... Un, I mean, how amazing for France. Seven uncut players in his initial mm. squad. I mean, I, I can't recall his name, but the guy that played 15 in the Autumn Nations... I'd, I'd never seen him before. You know, they, they they keep bringing these amazing young players through, which I think is a huge credit to France when you look at the number of foreign players that they used to have in their ranks. Um, I think they changed around, didn't they? So they reduced the number they could have. John uh, Joe's point on salary cap, uh, I know this is a bit much coming from a Saracens fan, but I'm seeing far <laughs> too many South Africans in our, in no, you know, great players... Lovely and all that. But, you know, when I think that Sale had 13 of their 23 starting against Saracens were young and upcoming South African players. So I think, it, I don't think it's going to damage us this year because you look at the England squad and there are some really exciting young players featuring there. Are we going to see Alfie Barbary play? Oh, I hope so. 
Louis Liner, Adam Radwan. Again, I hope so. And Dombrand as well. You know, we, we've got a wonderful choice in our back row. Please, let's see some of them playing. So I, it's, it's exciting. I can't wait. Yeah, brilliant. You never know. Dombrand and Co may start on uh, Saturday. We will see. Sean, sorry. Um, just bring you in now. Wales obviously won the Six Nations last year. A terrific performance, it has to be said. Can you see them going close? Because, I mean, I was like Debbie, I'm looking through the fixtures, and bearing in mind they've got to play England away and Ireland away. That is a tough call, isn't it, on anybody's box? It is, and if you look at their, their injury list, their injury list could be a World 15. So, so you know, there's a lot of... Is this going to be their sort of transition year, getting ready for a World Cup, get people capped, get people some some international experience? You'd probably have to think so. Are they going to push for the title? Uh, unless unless result other results become f freak results, I, I genuinely I can't see it happening. No, I can't. I think Ireland. I think I think the people that haven't been spoken about enough is is Ireland. You know, Ireland beat Ireland beat New Zealand two in the autumn. So you know, I think I think. Ireland tend to peak too early for a World Cup as well, so especially after beating an All Blacks team. So hopefully they're they're able to kick on and and uh, you know I think I think they're going to be the one that France Ireland game right in the middle is going to be the game of the tournament potentially. Yeah, I I, I couldn't argue with that at all, Sean. To be hundred percent with you as well. You, you mentioned Ireland there in particular. Um, a lot of people are saying this Irish side, understandably so, is an extremely good and strong Irish side. Yes, it is, admittedly. Um, could they possibly end up winning the Six Nations? Do you feel perhaps this is the year that they can really bounce back? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think they've got the, they've obviously got to start well, get to that middle game and see what happens. If they beat France, then it's it's in their hands. If um, if if they you know if Wales win first up, then then France are going to be in pole position. Um, I, yeah, I really want Ireland to kick on because you know I think you know, with the World Cup looming, it's, it, for a lot of them guys, it's their last opportunity to 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 win it. Sexton, um, you know, you would hope that this is they've got eighteen months now to to really sort of cement that legacy. Of you know what has been a really really good Irish side over the last ten years, uh, and sort of go out on that high. Whether you know whether this is sort of the start of that period, I would I would probably I would hope not because they had a really good autumn and they should just be trying to kick on and and uh, and try and you know go for the title. Why not? Why not? Indeed. Uh, thanks, Sean. I'll bring you back uh, shortly. Uh, Joe, we haven't talked England yet. I thought I'll leave England and Italy to you. So, um, oh. <laughs> or Scotland as well. I'll come back to Scotland in just a moment. Has Eddie Jones, do you feel, got the right side to win a Six Nations as it stands at the moment, Joe? Before a ball's been kicked, admittedly, Eddie's got a huge amount of injuries. Yes. You know, making no excuses as such. No, I mean, it is a massive difference to these key players. True. Uh, overall, do you think England can win this Six Nations? I think they can because they've got more players available than not. Like I know there's a couple that are kind of missing and like Owen Farrell's probably going to be the key one to all that. However, 
England did beat South Africa without Owen Farrell. So maybe that's indicative that you can beat, you know, your Scotland's, your, your Wales, your Ireland's, your, your France's and probably miss someone else who hit it. Well, Italy maybe a bit more inherently. But um, yeah, I think, I think England definitely got the squad. The, the key is, obviously already we've seen, it, the key is making sure that no one gets COVID in the camp, which is obviously struck twice last week. Um, Courtney Law is having his head problem. I mean, you know, the concussion protocols are the concussion protocols for a reason. You just kind of have to take that one with a pinch of salt. Um, yeah, I, I, I certainly think he does. The, the kind of, the interesting thing to me is the fact that he, you know, we always harp, we've harped on about this New England during the, during the entire autumn. But then in terms of progressing the New England, there's, there's no real kind of alternative plan. So we've seen that, you know, say, for example, obviously Farrell is, Owen Farrell is injured. The next person you turn to is George Ford, which is obviously makes sense because of the amount of experience that he's got. But in terms of progressing the New England and, and this new style of play, it's actually a bit of a step backwards. So it's kind of a bit of a weird one in terms of thinking about that because arguably, arguably you'd say, well, let's bring in George Furbank to be more of a 10. But because the problem is classic England training issues are that Orlando Bailey's got a hamstring injury. Uh, Alfie Barbary's got a hamstring injury. Uh, someone else has probably lost an arm and we don't know yet. Um, and so, yeah, there are those small things. But I certainly think they've got all the pieces. The key, uh, the, the, the key is the back line at this point more so than the pack because Johnny May's not there. And I, th- I think that's quite a big miss. And obviously Jack Knoll's probably going to pop onto the wing quite quickly. But outside of that, I'm not massively certain. It's, it's likely it's going to be Elliot Daly or, or we, we go kind of full in and, and, and Freddie, Freddie Stewart's on the wing. At six foot five. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, only six foot five. Yeah, true. Um, Marcus Smith, uh, Joe, everyone's calling for him to start. Um, do you feel he'll start? Oh, he has to. Like, I, yeah. I think we, no, we've gone it, through this entire autumn and. <laughs> Like the whole thing was, is Farrell going to start at 10? We went through three autumn games and obviously Smith didn't start in the first one against Tommy because he, I can't remember what that injury, it's a thigh issue, whatever it was. Um, and But then outside of that, Smith was starting 10 in the summer. There was no real debate about whether or not he was going to start 10 or not. If, if they do, And this is what I mean about backward steps. If he doesn't start at 10, it's a backward step. Um, but... I mean, the, the issue then becomes something that has been talked about quite a lot recently is the adaptability of players. Smith and Ford are, to my quick guess, are the only two that will not are not kind of really adaptable around the field. Whereas, you know, you can pay George Furbank at 15, probably 13 as well as a, a stretch. Uh, Henry Slade can play 10, 12, 13, probably whacking on the wing as well if you had to. Um, Elliot Daly, once upon a time, played fly half for, for Wasps many years ago. But, you know, you, that's the key thing to this England squad at the minute is the adaptability. But if you have to have someone who's a bit of a key key guy, he goes at fly half and that's it, then it has to be him. But then the rest of the players, therefore, have to be adaptable to the game situation because we're not at that point anymore, I don't think, where you need to have like-for-like subs on the bench. You actually need to have the options in order for game plans to adapt more fluidly, which was maybe where potentially where England were going wrong in years gone by. Hmm. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Joe, do you think that it, in the way that Harlequins played, that, that um, Marcus needs someone like Mark Atkinson outside him, like an Andre? 
Yeah, that, that was something I thought about. I think I did like a random kind of, you know, 24, 24, hours, out, 24 hours out from the from this official squad announcement. I think Mark would actually really compliment Marcus because just purely because someone described him as like, I can't remember, what, someone described him as something like the, the English Sonny Bill Williams or something ridiculous like that, which was just, you know, it was one of those. And I kind of, after a while you think about it and you're like, oh yeah, no, that is right. He's just like, you know, kind of, he can offload the ball and, do all that kind of good stuff and arguably Mark Atkinson is one of the reasons that uh, Adam Hastings has been playing so well for Gloucester and made that transition so easy um, so I, I wouldn't be opposed to it at all one the key thing but then this is what I mean like Eddie puts this little thing in your head because I, I, sp- I spend far too much time looking at computer screens with Eddie on the other end of it and he puts this little thing in my head every now and then of oh Henry Slade's probably going to start at 12 and I'm just and then that's all I can think about for the next week and but I, I would be massively keen to see Mark Atkinson play at 12, big time. So, keeping with the uh, Quinn's uh, theme, uh, Joe, Alex Dombrand, would you start, would you start Dombrand? I, I don't see there has been another option, given that, obviously, Sam Underhill's had another injury setback, so he, he's not in the squad. Well, it's not actually that he's had an injury setback. He's had an injury setback, then he's tested positive for COVID, so he can't see... Um, a specialist for the next 10 days or whatever, or five days or, you know, what, however it pans out. So, yeah, so Tom Curry realistically has to play at seven. Um, so they, there's no number eight apparent, even though Tom Curry wasn't really the number eight apparent to begin with. Um, so I'd say Don Brand at eight, you'd have to have Curry at seven and then bring in, this is where I had my big debate earlier on, it's probably got to be Lewis Ludlam, just purely from the perspective of the physicality. Um, However, would I be surprised to see Nick Izikwe or Maro start at six at the same time? Probably not. It's just that it's just that kind of debate that, that it's going to run because Don Brown has to start. And obviously he's like he's been lights out. And I think everyone knows he's been lights out and he's been lights out since I first came across him as a playing lock in the Bucks in Bucks Super Rugby. So yeah, like he for me he has to. Mm. Sean? Would you agree or disagree with that? Uh, yeah, I, well, yeah, Don Brandt has to play. And it, again, it wouldn't surprise me if Eddie made him captain. And it was a bit of that sort of a left field decision to make him captain. He's done it for Quinns. He's won a title. So, you know, I, I, that, that, that's, yeah, that's another debate up there. But I, I could see his name being thrown into the mix. Um, yeah, and again, it wouldn't surprise me if Eddie put Sam Simmons at six and with Tom Curry as well. Again, just a bit of a bit of a curveball. Um, I don't know if he's still in the squad actually, but if if he is, then you know, why not have, try and have them both on the pitch? Debbie, any thoughts on that? Um, I think it's Don Brandt is the kind of eight that he quite likes. I think he's probably the closest to Billy, isn't he, in size? Um, but Sam Simmons, I mean, he, you know, we say that Don Brandt's won a championship. Well, Sam Simmons, hello. You know, he's a European player of the year, won the premiership with his team as well. Um, I think it's a hard to pick between the two of them, really. I, I thought Simmons played really well when he played for England. But I think that Eddie will go for a more physical eight, which leads to Don Brandt. And yeah, I, I really, please, let's not have Marrow at six. Marrow's a second row player. Please play him in the second row. Um, Nick Izekwe, 
has really turned into a smashing player um, and does usually start at six for Saracens, actually. And I think he didn't play all that much for Northampton, did he? But I'd be quite happy to see him at six. He's more akin, well, nobody's really akin to Courtney, are they? But um, he's, a, he's a huge loss, I think. I mean, just the physical power of that man, really. You know, if you see him running that, you're, oh, my God. Um, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Sam Simmons or Don Brandt at eight. Again, Tom Curry, no. <laughs> I know he's done okay. He's done okay at eight, but yeah, let's see him at seven. I like that idea. So do I. We've got, isn't it lovely to have that choice? There were so many years when we didn't have players that Absolutely. didn't play at seven, really. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. It's a lovely, yeah. lovely problem to have, isn't it? It is a lovely problem to have. You're right, Debbie. Talking of problems, uh, Italy. Um, I don't mean that uh, rudely, so to speak, but um, Come on, are Italy going to get even close to winning a match, Debbie? What's your thoughts on the Italians? I mean, they've tried everything, haven't they, to be fair, but they just do not look like improving, do they? No, I'm sad to say they don't. I mean, I wrote quite a big article where I changed my mind around, actually, where I, I started writing it thinking, no, they should go. And then by the end of it, I thought, actually, no, they, they should stay because, they, you know, this is expanding rugby. Um, I don't think there's another team... I mean, Georgia win, don't they? The next layer down on a regular basis. I think, you know, let's maybe have a match between Italy and Georgia every year if Georgia are finishing top. And the winner of that goes on up into the Six Nations. Now, I, I don't... I mean, they've got... They're playing France to start with. Oh, my goodness, how awful for them. Then they've got England. Dreadful, awful. And then, oh, it gets easier with Ireland, who, as we say, are likely to be in great form. Now, I, sorry, Italy. I don't... I think they're going to be... Wooden spooners again. How many times have we said that? Yes. Uh, well, far too many. Indeed. Yeah. Um, now, before we move on to Europe, which we're going to wrap things up, um, I just want your own personal take on the Six Nations. I'm going to um, write down who you feel is going to win the Six Nations. Forget about Grand Slam or anything like that. Who do you feel overall has got power, or we've got the luck, got the squad, everything? to go on and win what should be a fascinating forthcoming Six Nations. Uh, Debbie's thinking really, really aloud, I can tell on her face. Um, Sean, let's uh, kick off with you. Who do you fancy? Uh, I've written four. <laughs> uh, it's one of... I, I, we haven't even mentioned Scotland. I think if Scotland get off to a good start, then they've got... Again, if the results go their way, they've got a wonderful opportunity. Um, uh, I'm going to go Ireland. I think Ireland might just, yeah, nick it in, nick it in Paris. Uh, and yeah, go from there, I think. Um, Joe, who, who would you put uh, your two penny worth on? I, I'm going to be really excited and say France as well. <laughs> um but I think it's going to be decided between France and England last weekend, Super Saturday or whatever it is, eight o'clock kickoff in Paris. Probably it's going to be raining, usually is. Uh, and I think it's going to be France, nick it at the end, but which I, just from the sporting perspective would be a lot more enjoyable than the usual, you know, wait for seven hours after the, the first game of the day and then find out that the team earlier in the day won it. And then you get a really rubbish kind of trophy lift. Mm. In a car park somewhere. 
Yeah. <laughs> Debbie? I think I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be at the match in Paris at, eight, at nine o'clock in Paris on really? that Saturday evening. Yeah, and and I, I and I, I I'm English, so I shouldn't. I, I actually really want France to fulfil their potential and win it. I just pray for no idiots, which is why they didn't win it in 2020. The punch in Scotland. Mm. They won't be looking forward to going to Edinburgh again. Um, but please keep your hands to yourselves. The Frenchman and I and I, go and fulfil your potential. They play such exciting rugby. Here, here. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think they're a wonderful side to watch, and I just think they ooze class. And I generally, I mean, it's been a while since they won a Six Nations. Remember that a lot of people don't realise that, but I tend to go. I just feel that this will be their year. Obviously, I want England. Everybody does. We're all English here. Of course, we do. But at the end of the day. I do think France will take a lot of beating, but we will see. We will see. We'll have another big kickoff rugby podcast probably towards the end of the Six Nations and find out exactly where everybody went wrong or didn't, as the case may be. We've got a few minutes left. Um, I'm going to bring Joe back in. Um, we've had the European uh, 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 Champions Cup, obviously. We're getting into the uh, the knockout stages now as such. And um, the English sides have done pretty well, haven't they, Joe? Well, what's your take overall? It's difficult. It's quite a weird one because I, I can't remember. Well, it's obviously probably never happened. But I mean, given that some of the teams didn't play, you know, four games or anything like that, it's kind of uh, a bit, <laughs> a bit unusual, kind of trying to evaluate actually where everyone is. Um, so I think obviously Sale had, uh, you know, I think it was I can't remember. But yeah, they had obviously a pretty comprehensive win over Ospreys, but obviously all the Welsh t- teams didn't really look that great. So it's kind of difficult in that sense. Exeter, as we've said before, look to become a little bit unstuck when it comes to certain areas of the game. Um, so you, you kind of worry for them, especially going to a Munster team that managed to deal with COVID and, you know, getting back from South Africa and all that sort of thing. So you kind of, you, you do kind of just sit back and say it's probably between some of the URC teams and the French teams. Um, it's almost as if there's a narrative to get a team to Marseille at the end of the season. Um but the French teams are in the best state, which, again, bizarre considering they've had their own COVID issues, which is why the you know the, the third round was kind of what was it, the second round, second round or whatever it was, was completely wiped out. I, I'm literally not even aware of what day of the week it is, so I'm assuming it, it was it was in December or something like that. So, um, yeah, that that's the thing. It, it, it's so difficult to gauge because not everyone's played a game. But then there's there's teams in there, and you look at them, you're like. Connacht were amazing. They were unlucky to lose against Leicester. So you kind of like, well, they, they might do well. Then you see that they get they get pulled they get pulled out of the hat against Leinster, and you, you suddenly become a bit more concerned. Um, but I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting matchup. Like Montpellier Harlequins is probably going to be the pick of that bunch. I'd say. Yeah, good point. Actually, yeah, it probably is the key match, admittedly. Um, Sean, Joe, Debbie, thank you so much for your time. We have unfortunately run out of time here at the Big Kickoff Rugby Podcast. Thanks once again, guys. Uh, been a pleasure as always speaking to you. And uh, for myself, thank Peter you. Moore, uh, thank you. take care, and we will speak to everybody again soon.